friends. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Today, we're going to have some dynamic thoughts from diverse speakers with a biblical viewpoint. Feel free to stick around and prepare to be blessed. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Uh, really enjoy your feedback. Uh, really enjoy hearing different testimonies on how these casts are helping you, encouraging you, uh, strengthening your faith. Please keep them coming. Uh, please note we're on YouTube as well at the Inner Revolution podcast. If you were to just type that in on the search bar, you'd find us. Subscribe uh, just so you can get these casts in different platforms. Uh, make it easy for you to download and or to listen on whatever platform just so that you can stay in touch. Uh, today, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about being a giant slayer. And uh, boy, just looking around our world today, there's so many things that are so big and, and we can feel so small and we can feel intimidated and just feel little, maybe even belittled. Uh, we can feel even insignificant or even in the way. And this kind of mentality uh, is, is so prevalent uh, when there is a giant that is intimidating uh, us. Maybe it's a health concern. Maybe it's a financial concern. Maybe it's uh, just a relationship concern. Something that is larger than us. Something that is uh, threatening. And, uh, you know, today I just want to talk a little bit about how to be a giant slayer. So when we think about the giants uh, in 2 Kings 13, 21, when the Israelites were spying out the land, they said this very interesting statement. They said that the men of Anak, you know, in so many words, were so huge and so big, and we are so small. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. You know, when there's a giant in the land, we can feel so small, we can feel insignificant, we can feel powerless, we can feel very much like um, we are not going to make it. But when you look at this story in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47, you see that David was also someone that was in the face of a giant, Goliath. But his mindset and his action was very different. Instead of uh, proclaiming how big the giant was, like most of the Israelites were doing in those 40 days when Goliath was screaming out accusations and belittling the uh, armies of Israel, intimidating them with his size and his, uh, his weaponry and his uh, threats. And, and uh, really, you know, the the nation of Israel for 40 days was frozen in fear. They, they, uh, the, the words and atmosphere of Goliath had normalized uh, a lot of, of what was being said. And they, these armies forgot who they were. They forgot whose they were. And they simply were frozen in fear. But when David came on the scene and discerned the situation, he became a giant slayer. And I want to talk about how he did that. And, uh, you know, in today's world, you know, it's so important that we know that we have the victory in Christ and that we do not have to be a hostage to Goliaths in our life, uh, but we can be a giant slayer. You know, 
uh, you know, what did David do? I mean, what did David do? I mean, he got on the scene and he saw the fear. He saw the intimidation. He saw the lies. Uh, and, you know, fear thrives so much in people's lives as it just lifts up sight orientation, you know, information based on the five senses. You know, fear thrives when it's void of God. And it shifts our attention to the risk and threat of what's going on. And, uh, and all of a sudden, emotional thinking comes in, uh, risk management comes in, and God becomes very small in the eyes and, and situation of fear. You know, intimidation, another big word here, where, where again, when someone is intimate with God, they are not intimidated by man. You know, that self-preservation, that, again, that critical thinking that is uh, determined by only facts and, and sight and, and natural thinking uh, can really, uh, you know, again, neutralize and also uh, shrink our God. And then, of course, the lies. You know, uh, Goliath was so uh, loud and obnoxious and the Israelites forgot who they were and whose they were. Well, David steps up on the scene, and I, I love what he does. He recognizes, first of all, uh, you know, the atmosphere. Like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheming the armies of God? So one of the most important points uh, of being a giant slayer is, number one, to be God-conscious. To be God-conscious. What does that mean? David, when he came, brought his lunch or the lunch to his brothers and his brothers again uh, discouraged him, kind of shunned him. But David, uh, did he was not someone that got offended. He was someone that was very observant and God conscious and very much aware of what God was doing. So again, he defines the atmosphere. And I would just say that's number one, you know, define the atmosphere define the arguments, define the feelings, define the resistance. So many of us do not do that. And we normalize these aggressions, these satanic, uh, unseen aggressions, and we become vulnerable. And again, we become intimidated. You know, uh, Leonard Ravenhill said this, he said, oftentimes, you know, uh, in a nation, Many will chase mice while lions devour the land. You know, what was he saying there? He's saying that we will chase mice. We will focus our attention and strength on the wrong things, the small things, the insignificant things, the ego things, the, the preferences or the things that we don't like, rather than dealing with the lions, the powerful things, the giants that are devouring our land. Well, number one, God conscious. How is it that we can be God conscious? Well, as we're in the word, as we're focused on the things of God, we become uh, interested and we become connected to the heart and mood of God. What touches God's heart? What is it that hurts him? What is it that makes him happy? What is it that releases his power? God consciousness. David was God conscious. You know, in Numbers six, uh, excuse me, in Romans sixteen nine, the writer is saying that I wish that you would want you were wise to what is good and simple, 
concerning evil. I wish that you were wise to what is good and simple concerning evil. And that's number two. David was grounded. Uh, he was wise to what is good. He had an understanding to what glorified God. And then he also was simple concerning evil. He didn't overthink it. He didn't rationalize it. He didn't ask a lot of questions. He understood what evil was. Now we're in a world today where evil is called good and good is called evil. And there's a lot of overthinking and overcomplications. And it really uh, destabilizes our situation. Well, David was grounded. He was grounded in who he was in Christ and whose he was. He was grounded in his identity as a son and as, uh, as a man of God. You know, Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the power of God's might. David was that kind of man. He was strong in the power of God's might. And we see that here in 1 Samuel 17.45 as he uh, prepares to meet Goliath. And uh, we, we see here that he defends himself before Saul, uh, talking about the lion and the bear that he defeated as uh, as he's protecting the sheep. I mean, David was a faithful man, taking care and stewardship of his responsibilities, and God was preparing for him or to him to uh, defeat the greatest giant. So in this giant Goliath, it's very interesting, Goliath's name means one who is uncovered uh, or something to reveal. That's what his name really means. Obviously, it means giant as well, uh, but it means to uncover and to reveal. And God's heart for us as giant slayers is to uncover and reveal where the, where the devil has advantage, where the devil is lying to you and I, where the devil is intimidating you or I, and shifting our faith into fear as we're focused on the emotion of the risk or threat. Now, no one's denying that what's happening is real. No one's denying or suppressing that uh, things are dangerous and perilous. But it's our attitude and perspective that determine if we're going to be a giant slayer or if we're going to be slayed by the giant. Well, we notice this. I mean, David does not take Saul's armor. He is grounded in uh, just simply his sling and his regular clothes. I mean, he had conditioned himself and was trained and was ready and did not need any special treatment. Well, David again uh, says in 45, you come to me in the, with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give you the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the bird of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Okay, notice this. David was not only grounded, but he was not easily discouraged. He knew what the will of God was. He knew what his call was. He knew what his role was. You know, let me just say this. In a, in a family situation, in a family situation where uh, a husband or wife, they, they know their role. And as they're parenting or as they're leading their children, or as they're working their job, or as they're working through different challenges. They know their role. They know 
who they are and whose they are, and God will tell them what to do. And, and this is important. This is important to stand in the power of God's might, not to stand in my power, not to stand in my ideas, not to stand in my uh, way, thinking that I know what's best and having the ego inflate. But David, again, David came in the name of the Lord. He came in the consciousness of the Lord. He came in the conviction of the Lord. He came in the confidence of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Now, David did not come in his own name. David did not come in his own experience. David did not even come in his own uh, in his own strength. He deferred totally to the Lord. Well, Proverbs 18.10 talks about the name of the Lord being a strong tower, and the righteous are safe that dwell in it. Psalm 83.18, same thing. The name of the Lord, there's great safety, great power. There is a great refuge in Psalm 18.1-3. through 3. The name of the Lord. There's a thousand different names in the Bible of the name of the Lord. You know, what is his name? I mean, we understand he knows, he sees, he cares. He is the God of all armies. He is the host, the, the captain of the host. When David deferred and came under submission to who God was in his life, he was not intimidated. See, insecurity is connected to shame. Insecurity, the divide, the division of a soul where somewhere along the line a lie has crept in and it's deflected and, def and fractured the confidence that we have in Christ. David, not perfect, but simple concerning evil, wise concerning good. He just said, you know what? This man's got to go down. He's a giant that's defying the armies of God. See, again, David didn't take it personal uh, for himself, but he did take it personal for God. He said, this is defying God. This is insulting God. You know, when was the last time we stood up in compassion, but also conviction when someone insulted God? When was the last time we said, hey, listen, that's unacceptable, not because it's my idea, but because of a kingdom issue? You know, so many, uh, so many today are compliant and they're uh, complacent uh, and they let evil just, uh, just reign because they don't want to rock the boat. Well, David was a giant slayer. He did not come in his own name and he did not push his own agenda, but he certainly had confidence and conviction. And uh, he was not ashamed of the gospel uh, or the purposes of God. And so... We, we really see that, number one, he defined the atmosphere. He came in God consciousness. He was grounded. He wasn't easily discouraged. He knows he knew who he was and whose he was. And you know what? He was able to advance. And it says here that he ran to Goliath. You know, so many are stuck on Goliath's shield or Goliath's uh, track record or the size or the, um, you know, the sheer dominance or intimidation, you know, it's easy. Maybe it's a, uh, it's a financial uh, in intimidation. Maybe it's a work intimidation. Maybe it's a fearful thing that we may be considering and we're feeling very small or insignificant or in the way. We may feel like that grasshopper. You know, that's not God's way. God's way is not that we would live in fear, intimidation, or lies, but that we live in faith, we live in love, we live in conviction, and we live in the power 
of his might. It's not by power, our power. It's not by might, our might, but it's by his precious spirit, saith the Lord. These are so important things. You know, grasshoppers are interesting. When you think about grasshoppers, I mean, they're so small. They're kind of ugly looking things. But I was reading this recently about grasshoppers. And it's interesting uh, when the Israelites, you know, murmured and, and heard the 10 spies that came back with a bad report, comparatively to Joshua and Caleb, the two that came with God's report. And uh, the, they said, oh, you know, we are well able to take the land. God promised it. Therefore, let's go get it. But no, no, no. It's the loud mouth of Goliath that the flesh communicates, that the atmosphere amplifies, and that our reflections somehow uh, make louder than what God has said. And this is what we have to be so careful of, that we must not take on a grasshopper mentality. You know, grasshoppers, they travel in large numbers, but they have no purpose. Uh, they travel in such a large number and they obscure the sun and hide the light. You know, if you were to look on uh, this past months in Africa, uh, there's been such uh, uh, tremendous uh, grasshoppers and locusts that have uh, devoured acres in moments. And uh, they're such destructive beings. So it's like to say, you know, you know, there's no purpose. When someone says, oh, we're like grasshoppers, it's like they have forgotten their purpose. They have entered into obscurity. They've, they've entered into some herd mentality. Well, number two, grasshoppers, like we said, are very destructive. They ravage the land without replenishing it, and they do not contribute in any, in any way. They are just consumers. You know, when someone says, oh, we're just grasshoppers in their sight, what are they saying? They're, think, they're just thinking, you know, just thinking of themselves. They're thinking of cons consumption, and they're thinking of not replenishing or adding to the situation, but instead being negative and or communicating the negative aspects of the situation. Number three, grasshoppers have an unusual habit of eating one another instead of eating other insects. So in other words, they eat their own kind. So that's very interesting. You know, uh, that's pretty gross, actually. But think about it like our words. Are we devouring one another? Are we turning against each other? You know, instead of being a giant slayer and focusing our energy on the atmosphere, the satanic strategy, uh, we, we begin to turn on ourselves. You know, this is one thing in the corona, this pandemic that I've seen that's been grieving is the churches have can be critical of one another. Instead of working together, they criticize one another. What is that? That is a grasshopper mentality. That's each one eating one another. And uh, it's very destructive. Well, uh, grasshoppers, number four, are a chief target of prey of other insects. So again, instead of advancing, instead of dominating, instead of taking back the land, taking back territory, it's now we become a prey. We become, uh, you know, predictable or uh, we become vulnerable. Instead of standing in the power of our might, uh, the standing in the power of God's might, we, we enter into excuses, the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. That's very interesting. Uh, one author said that, uh, you know, excuses and are skin with a reason stuffed with a lie. It's like, wow, 
you know, let's not live in excuses. You know, a lot of those Israelites standing before Goliath, and and rightly so, we're not we're not um, chastising these armies, but there were so many, and that they were called of God, anointed of God, and they got um, intoxicated, captivated by Goliath and his his great uh, his greatness. Um, uh, next, we see grasshoppers when attacked, instead of fighting back and using their strong jaws to bite uh, or their amazing ability to jump onto higher ground, they usually exhibit no movement at all. They blend into their situations, they blend into their surroundings, and they're frozen in fear. Boy, that is such an interesting thing there. A grasshopper, when attacked, you, of course, if you were attacked or if I was attacked, I mean, we'd go into fight or flight mode. We would protect ourselves. Well, grasshoppers, they, uh, they freeze in fear. And instead of using their, their jaws or their jumping capabilities, what do they do? They just blend in and they roll over. And that is tragic. Uh, and then, of course, lastly, I mean, there's much more we could say about uh, grasshoppers, but all types of filthy flies are full of bacteria. They lay their eggs and hatch their young on the backs of grasshoppers. The baby flies eat their way through the eggshell, eating the grasshoppers alive in the process. And the grasshopper just sits there and allows it to happen. What is that about? It's like, again, they forget whose they are and who they are. They forget their ability. They forget their role, they forget their design. So instead of being a giant slayer, uh, figuratively, you know, we could say that the believer becomes a hostage. Instead of setting the captives free, they become complicated and overthinking and become a hostage and captive themselves. So, so what's the answer here? Well, we've, we've really given some, some practical thoughts here that God wants us to uncover and reveal, uh, you know, the, the strategy of the devil. And uh, to, again, like Ravenhill said, to address where the lions are, to address the stronghold, the strong man, to address those things in the atmosphere that steal our joy, to address and define those things that steal our hope, to not back up or put up or shrink back in Proverbs 24.10, but to advance in prayer, to advance in faith, to advance with a declaration of 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 the promise to advance, to run at our Goliaths. Because guess what? Procrastination or denial or these things or avoidance. So many want to live in avoidance. They want to, oh, it's not there. It's not there. It's like the ostrich that puts their head in the sand. If It's like their butt is sticking way up in the air, but they can't see anything. So they feel like they're invisible. That's ridiculous. That's what happens oftentimes. It's like, when we put our head in the sand, we live in denial or we live in these, um, these excuses, uh, we become exceptionally uh, vulnerable and uh, to, to the danger that God has called you and I to conquer. We are made to be conquerors. We are made to be conquerors, not to live in fear, intimidation or lies, but or be like a grasshopper where we just sit there and we are... Um, literally eaten from the inside out or uh, the gnawing. We just let things gnaw at us and and then we just literally, um, we die. We, we become hard or we become uh, 
desensitized or we become cynical, sarcastic. What is what is going on? Those are uh, those are infiltrations where again we are uh, we are learning how to be complacent. We're learning how to give up when God says, "Don't give up." And, 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 you know, I was listening to T.D. Jakes recently and he said this, he says, he said, stand up lest you get comfortable laying down. And that's a good word. Stand up lest we get comfortable laying down. And that's our propensity as believe, you know, as any, as humans, uh, you know, to, to live in fear, intimidation, lies, to feel small, uh, to feel insignificant, to feel in the way. God says, you're not in the way. God says, You're, you are important in my kingdom, and you are big. You are great in Daniel 10, 19, in the kingdom of God. Not because of anything that we are, but because of who is inside of us. Well, I love what David did. He throws that sling with that rock in it, and, and it goes right into the forehead of Goliath, the only place where he was not covered. And it, it immediate, immediately he drops and David uh, takes the sword that was once pointed against him. He now takes that sword, chops off Goliath's head, and then he takes that head and he shows uh, those that were against him that, he, that God gave him the victory. And remember what he said, even before he uh, threw that sling, he knew that he had the victory. See, David had already won the battle in the mind. David had already decided to put more faith and trust and attention on what God has said more than anything that sight was saying, anything that feelings were saying, anything that evidence was saying. He was, uh, again, uh, wise concerning to that which is good and simple concerning evil. You know, I mean, I love it. I mean, David took the sword, Goliath's sword, and he used it for many more victories in his future. I mean, this victory, this giant uh, was that was meant to push him back, that was meant to stop him, that was meant to slow him down. He says, you know what? With God, nothing is impossible. In Luke 137, you are going to, you're going to come down. You know, in Matthew 18, we see the same principle. In verse 18, we speak to the mountain and it's cast into the sea. You know, we look, you know, and granted, we may look at our mountains today and we can be fearful. We can be uh, discouraged. We can be like, oh, how are we going to climb this? You know, but you know what's interesting? God is always calling us through something. God will lead you and I through in Job 23. Uh, through the mountain, through our Goliaths, through our weaknesses, through our challenges, because he knows the way that we take. And when he has tried us, we shall come forth as gold. So David knew his limitations. Uh, he understood not to come in his own name. Uh, David was not easily discouraged. Uh, he knew who he was and whose he was. He remembered the faithfulness of God, killing the bear and the lion. He was God conscious. He defined the atmosphere. He turned his ear off to doubt and to cynicism. Uh, his brothers trying to mock him. He turned his ear off to that. He turned his ear on to the Lord. He was grounded in love, truth, training, promises, hope, faith. And you know what happened? 
David had won, you know, God had prepared that victory to be won, and only one man stood to take the victory. You know, as I close today, how many victories of God has God prepared for you? You are a giant slayer. You may not feel like it. You know, I think about Twyla Paris's song, The Warrior is a Child. <laughs> you know, inside we might not feel like much. Uh, we might not feel like a hero. We may not feel uh, that we can conquer uh, the world. But you know what? Jesus said, I have overcome the world and I will bring in the victory. 2 Corinthians 2.14, I have called you to triumph in every place. 2 Corinthians 2.14, great verse, I have called you to triumph in every place. Joshua 1.9, every place where you put your foot is yours. If we take these promises seriously, no matter what stands in our way, no matter if it's a pandemic, if it's a financial issue, if it's a health issue, if it's a relationship issue, maybe it's expectations, maybe it's maybe it's something that discourages you or I, maybe it's um, just something that uh, you know wants to shift our attention from the promise into risk management or fear. We have to say nope. We're not going to listen. We're not going to bow down to Goliath. We're not going to. Be compliant and say, oh, yes, you know, you're right. You know, I'm going to follow because I'm a good little Christian. No, no, we, we need to stand in the power of his might. We need to stand in the power of his word. We need to stand in faith. And if you look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, the, the armor of God is so important. And that armor is an armor of light in Romans 13, 12. And, uh, but we have to put on that armor. And notice the armor isn't to fight the devil. The armor is to stand, to stand in the power of his might. Today, maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a marital issue. Maybe it's whatever issue. It doesn't even, it's not, the issue is not the issue, actually. The issue is, will we trust God? Will, the issue is, will we turn to God? Exodus 14, 14, he will do the fighting. The issue isn't, uh, what's being lost. The issue was what is God making room for so that we will gain? Oh, that we would get the issues straight, that we'd get the issues straight. Today, as believers, let's not forget who we are and whose we are. The power of grace, the power of love, the power of forgiveness, the power of faith, the power of patience, the power of wisdom, the power of long-suffering, the power of gentleness, the power of restraint. When we have the power to inflict vengeance, imagine the power we have with God to restrain and let his Holy Spirit move and not give the flesh, uh, give the flesh dominion in any way. Well, today, God bless you. Thinking of Goliath today, God wants you to uncover that thing that is taking ground from you. Maybe it's addictions. We just did two casts on addictions. Um, it's time to take back territory. It's time to say, I'm no longer a grasshopper. It's time to say, I'm not going to live in this normalized uh, atmosphere of fear, listening to the shoutings of Goliath for 40 days. It's like, wow, it took 40 days. It's amazing. Like um, how long we can be frozen in time. Well, let's run with God, in the power of God, in the hope of God, in the love of God, and be a giant slayer, for God has promised to give you the victory, and we just need to walk in it. So God bless you.
Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome.